I love Die Hard 2. It's so good. The whole system's dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> I know, it's fucking great. I will die on that hill that I, I think Die Hard 2 is better than Die Hard 1. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking about that, I think, on... Yeah, and I remember I, I tweeted about it, and Stephen K. James was like, you ready to die on that hill? I was like, absolutely. Die hard on that hill. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and here we go. Um, It was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular Yeah. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh, and with me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hey, how's it going? Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Actually, I have I have health issues. What, why, think... why do you do that? Why, why do you exhale? Because you don't have a body. So why do you exhale <laughs> before you speak? I was going to say fabulous, but I don't I think it would be false. I have health problems. I've been having like headaches lately and my stomach hurts all the goddamn time and I don't have enough monster. <laughs> It's just a, you know, a little column A, a little column B, and it's just a recipe for disaster. Maybe the monster is the thing hurting the stomach. No. Hey, yeah, you know. <laughs> what you got to do is you got to start running, man. Like Arnold. What, like to the store to buy a monster? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> D- ditch the car. <laughs> yeah. It's way too hot for that. Can't oh, yeah, that's it. true. Yeah. Go sledding. Sledding down the hill. Oh, right on the sand. Your, yeah, on the sand dunes. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking Fury Road out there right now. Everyone's going crazy. Their brains are melting, and it's stressing me out. People can't handle the heat. So what if it's 114 NBD? Holy buckets. Eat I a popsicle. I'm like sweating, and it's like 73 here. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a creature that was not designed for the heat. Uh, I did a very long hike uh, last weekend, and it was probably, I think it was our, our day that it was about 95 here in Seattle. We did it early, but still, you know, at 11 o'clock, it was 82 degrees. I was dying. So I am a creature that is not designed for the heat. Oh, yeah. Ugh. I absorb it. My Armenian skin is like, give me that sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's sunny D. Yeah, I'm getting dark, dude. I can't even like see it. you. Like no, the right? contrast <laughs> turned all the way up. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it. There you go. Anywho, um, <laughs> are you watching anything fun and festive? Oh, man. Yeah. I uh, watched quite a bit, actually. Quite the grab bag. So uh, I love HBO Max. Plug it all the time. But they have some really awesome films on there. So I watched Ready or Not. That is that horror Here film. I come. You with, can't hide. Thanks, the Fugees. That is that uh, horror Could film with <laughs> Samara Weaving. I really like it. This is my second time viewing it, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie. I liked aspects of it. It was a decent film, but I think that I it was way over the top. It was trying to be too much like Deadpool and uh, and a mix of like maybe Captain Jack Sparrow in there. It was a, it was just a little too much, but I, I really did like um, Journey Smollett. She's also in Lovecraft Country. She plays. What? Um, oh, I'm sorry. What are we talking about? I'm Birds of Prey. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the Harley Quinn movie. 
Yes, Sorry. yes, yes. I was, I was like, what movie is this? <laughs> Sounds crazy. Yeah, the fight scenes were really cool, but everything else kind of just was meh for me. So I'm, uh, I wouldn't write home about that one. And then Richard Jewell, kind of the same thing. I had higher expectations for this one. It was a Clint Eastwood film based off the true story of Richard Jewell and the 1996 uh, Atlanta Olympic bombings. He was basically a man that the media pinned for the bombing just because he was, was there. Sli- slightly <laughs> odd. Yeah, yeah. And, and they thought he was doing the, the lone hero um, kind of complex, but uh, he was exonerated. But anyways, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was which, inter- which it was, was which was five minutes of coverage versus the months sure. and months and months of villainizing the man. Yeah. You and know, I, I no walking I, away from something like that. <laughs> I mean, the court of public opinion is always going to be higher than the actual, you know, court. <laughs> so right. it's uh, it's this just goes to show like exactly what can happen. And uh, Kathy Bates was phenomenal in it. She's just such an amazing actor. She plays then, the uh, bomb. Yeah, yes. <laughs> no, she plays Joe, the owner of Sabre. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so and then I uh, I watched the Matrix again just because you guys were talking about on the Geek Legacy um, and you question whether or not it's an action film. I definitely think it's an action film for all the reasons you and Randy were talking about. Uh, it is utterly amazing. It still holds up and I watched it in 4K and I just I appreciate it with every subsequent viewing. It's so good. And then I watched a Lovecraft Country. The second episode, um, dude, it's crazy. It's yeah. a it's a, it's a very very interesting and weird show. That with the because unlike you, I do watch the you know tune in next week sort of thing, and next week's episode is like, wait, where the hell are they going? So I'm just yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the the preview. Well, no, so I will watch like next week on, but with HBO, mm. they, they tend to do a seasonal. Like yes, a season yes. long trailer at the end of the first episode, like like a sizzle reel. Yeah. And so that's uh, it's too many, too many questions when you watch that. Sure. And then this show already leaves you with so many questions. And I am choosing to save all of mine until the end of season one, because I, I feel like the the way this show is 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 working. All of my questions will be answered. Sure, I'll have new ones. But as of right now, I feel like everything that I want to ask about will get answered. And and if the, the way the, the pacing works and how fast everything is happening, I feel like if I just hang back for a second, I'll either figure it out or they'll tell me. Yeah, and, and that's just how you watched Watchmen, correct? Mm-hmm. On HBO. That's how that was, too. There was all this stuff going on and all these plot holes. And I was thinking the entire time, when is this going to get answered? And if you just continue watching the entire season, they answer it. It's it's right. a complete show. And it's that one's fantastic. different, though, because like uh, Lindelof is known for making you question everything. Um, so I was curious if it was going to be wrapped up with a bow or if it was going to be left to like ambiguity and hating myself for not knowing the answers. <laughs> yeah, like lost. But yeah, it's um, regardless, I, I recommend everyone check it out. It's it's just so great. It's so beautiful to watch, too. I mean, the composition and everything in it is just fantastic. Fantastic. And the music's cool, too. Dude, the music's so cool. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Whitey's on the moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. I know. Man, and like the way the way that whole thing ended up, it's like 
is this the finale? <laughs> like, I, I was I, I wasn't prepared for everything to happen in in, in the span of thirty seconds. <laughs> I was like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh crazy. man, Mister Mister Ghost, Mister Tony Goldwyn <laughs> from Ghost. <laughs> Anyways, what are you watching? Yeah, he's also he's uh, Ted from Cuffs. If you ever saw that, no, with Christian Slater. And Mila Jovovich. I mean, it's a while ago. That's fine. No big deal. Um, <laughs> I am watching uh, the same as you, the Lovecraft Country, and um, I watched Die Hard Two, which I love. Yeah, in the spirit of the Geek Legacy podcast and talking about action films, and and I was pretty quick to say that Die Hard Two is probably my favorite out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually I love all of them except for the very 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 last one. Um, a good day to die hard that movie's terrible um but i like up to live free or die hard is that the um, one with jai courtney the last one is yes a good day yeah. to die hard yeah i don't, I don't like oh, it oh horrible dude it's bad <laughs> um and then i also watched um excuse me the forgotten which is a short film that is directed by mr alec walker and it stars our buddy Jeff Muller, who is the Mighty Jerd, and it is worth a watch. It is a 13-minute thir- a short that is a, uh, we'll call it a fantasy horror short. And uh, it's a lot of fun and very proud of him and the work that he has done. So check it out. It's free on Prime. It's uh, 99 cents to rent or $3 to own. And I bought it, I reviewed it, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm excited. So congratulations, Mr. Muller for getting your work out there and showing it to the world. Better show your work than your junk. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, and hurry up and make a sequel because I also watched it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah forgotten too. Still forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Lost in New York. <laughs> yeah, and then we can hear Christmas music. It'll be great. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> I was trying to think of. Don't want to be alone on Christmas, which is the uh, Home Alone 2 song mm. that uh, Darlene Love wrote, where it's like, mm. I'm writing you a letter and I don't know where to start. <laughs> I, li- I like that one a lot. That's a really yeah, good Christmas good. song. Uh, it's pretty good. Christmas in August. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Home Alone's pretty pretty goddamn good. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should do a Home Alone special. Christmas time. In fact, I'm actually kind of curious if we could do some sort of watch along and have our commentary be the podcast. Is that something that we could do? Or we just start at the same time? We could be like, one, two, three, go. Do we go on three or do we say (laughs) one, two, three, go and then hit record and and just do like a do a commentary? I think that could be kind of fun. That'd be really fun. Why'd you go on two? Um, I think there's, so with some of the platforms like, uh, Google play and voodoo are in movies anywhere. They have a a watch party option where I think you can watch along with your friends simultaneously. So that would be very interesting to do. I agree. It could be like a mystery science theater 3000. Yeah. I could be the middle silhouette. Yeah, there you go. I'll be the crow robot. Okay, except we'd have to move the theater around because you always sit in a dumb spot in the theater, like off to the side. I know. I like. I like. I like <laughs> the aisle. Work. 
This this coming from the guy that uh, talks about wearing jeans all the time to escape easily. I, I sit the uh, in the aisle so I can escape easily, just in case there's oh, yeah. a fire. I know. You gotta be ready if there's a fire. I'm actually wearing shorts today. Oh, there you go. It's warm. Yeah, it I is breathe. Warm. But <laughs> either way, that's neither here nor there. Are you ready to talk about the motion picture show? Yes. All right. So we are doing the movie Her. From 2013, directed by Mr. Spike Jones, who did Where the Wild Things Are, Adaptation, Being John Malkovich. And I would say Being John Malkovich is probably my favorite out of those three. Um, I'm still a little weird and kooky, but I mean, they all are, I guess, in their own weird way. But uh, either way, um, if you're familiar with his work, fantastic. If not, uh, check him out. It's got some good shit. Um, let's see here. The movie was actually written by Spike Jones, which... If you have seen his material, you would know that in about eight seconds of yeah. watching this. This movie screams Spike Jones. Not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, a lot of the greats have their their little signature marks, whether it be how they film a movie, how they write a movie, whatever the case may be. But I think this movie 100% just screams Spike Jones. Uh, the cast has a lot of A-listers in this movie. You have Joaquin Phoenix... Scarlett Johansson, Amy Adams, Rooney Mara, Chris Pratt. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of action there. And then as far as critical reception goes, this movie is certified fresh. It has got a whopping 95% on the old Rotten Tomato there, um, which is pretty good. The audience score is actually 82%, which is still pretty decent considering critics loved it and raved about it. So I guess it's one of those movies where... When you watch the trailer, it might not appeal to you, but then when you sit down and watch it, uh, it may or may not resonate with a previous or a current uh, situations in your life and relationships. I think there's a lot of relatable material here, and uh, I think anyone that's ever gone through something or been hurt in a way or grew apart from someone or was in a misunderstood relationship has a lot to benefit from, from watching this movie. I think it's very relatable in that sense. Uh, but well, let's, uh, let's just get on to the reviews here. Uh, we have Kath Clark from time out. It says <laughs> like that. <laughs> T, T, I'm burnt. My legs are burnt. Uh, <laughs> for all you long game poly fans. A keeper of a film. Make it rain. (laughs) Rain dance. Rain drops. White chocolate. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that movie. No, it's all good. You, uh... Ruben. (laughs) Ruben. It's like the story of the hippopotamus. I'm not familiar with that story. Oh, jeez. Okay, here we go. Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian. Ooh. The film seems very new, but the sentimental ending is as old as the hills. There are some great moments. Yeah, how about that? Uh, let's see here. David Jenkins from Little White Lies says, Whimsical Futuro romance effortlessly evolves into ambiguous, unfathomable hard science fiction in Spike Jones's best film to date. That is a lot of words. There. <laughs> <laughs> Unfathomable. It, it, it doesn't have fathom. Um, let's see. Yeah. Have you ever seen Megamind? 
No, we you, you've asked me this many times. <laughs> you gotta watch it, dude. It's fucking awesome. Uh, it is. It is. It's a real hoot. As someone that loves superheroes, uh, it makes fun of everything you like about them, <laughs> much in the vein of like Galaxy Quest and Star Trek. So if you're a good sport, then you might enjoy yourself. Just saying. Um, let's see here. Katie Smith Wong from Flick Feast says, overall, her is a beautiful film. Wonderful acting, great story, and dreamy soundtrack. Miss it, and you'll miss out. And I think we'll just uh, we'll leave it at that, because that kind of touches base on what I was saying earlier, where if you watch the trailer, you might not be into it, but maybe if you sit down and give it two hours and ten minutes, you might enjoy yourself. Uh, let's see here. I had a budget of $23 million. Opening weekend, it did a whopping 260K. That's uh, not terribly impressive. Probably only opened in like five theaters, but what can you do? Uh, grossed in the U.S. at $25 million. Worldwide, you're looking at $48.5 million. It's also important to note with that, uh, the <clears throat> it, it, it picked up steam after it got awards buzz right because it was that always happened. right and and spike jones was nominated for best original screenplay and i think best director and then a couple other things so hmm. yeah cool do you, do you want to hear some uh trivia yeah what do you got all right so samantha morton you might know her from films like minority report and that's the only thing i remember because i didn't look at her imdb but samantha morton was originally the voice of samantha the os she was present on the set with joaquin phoenix every day after filming wrapped and spike jones started editing the movie he felt like something was not right with morton's blessing he decided to recast the role and scarlett johansson was brought and uh replaced morton re-recording all the dialogue that is very interesting but I, I think ScarJo knocked it out of the park. So right decision. Uh, most of the city backgrounds, especially the ones featuring skyscrapers, are actually filmed in Shanghai. You can see many very identifiable skyscrapers, such as the Shanghai World Financial Center. There are seven Chinese signs if you look carefully. Ooh, it was a big city. It's supposed to be L.A., but uh, that makes sense. Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix were friends since the movie was filmed before they started dating in 2016. They got engaged in 2019, and in 2020, it was announced that Mara is expecting their first child together. So, that's fun. Little little on-screen romance turns into real romance. Friends become lovers. All that stuff. And then Amy Adams said writer-director Spike Jones would essentially lock her and Joaquin Phoenix in a room together for an hour or two every other day and make them talk to each other. Jones did this so the actors could get to know each other better. Adams credits this for her and Joaquin Phoenix's close friendship. Is that all you have to do, Justin? You gotta lock each other in a room and then uh, they become friends? The old sitcom trope? <laughs> Locked down at the rec center. Uh, yeah, that probably works. <laughs> what a grief of audience. <laughs> yeah. You serious about this? <laughs> Ginger ale and uh, marshmallows. <laughs> So, all right, you want to hear a synopsis? This one's a lot shorter. Than yes, I can't one. wait to hear the synopsis. <clears throat> all right. Theodore Twombly is a lonely man living in near future Los Angeles. Theodore works as a letter writer, composing beautiful, heartfelt letters for others to enjoy, yet never really having the perceived happiness for himself. Saddened by the thoughts of his failed marriage with ex-wife Catherine, Theodore goes through his days just, just trying to get by. One day, Theo purchases an artificial intelligence operating system named Samantha, and she becomes immediately helpful. 
As Theo struggles with his life, his relationship with Samantha begins to quickly grow and he realizes that he starts to have feelings for her. Theo confides this new information with his friend, Amy, who reassures him that happiness is not up for others to decide for you. Samantha and Theodore begin to date. They both share intimate moments throughout, and the couple grow together despite the glaring issue of Samantha not having a body. After an exchange with Catherine, in which she claims Theo wants a relationship but never wants to deal with the real consequences, Theo struggles to focus on his relationship with Samantha. Samantha explains to him her discovery of want and how instrumental Theo was with it, and the two grow even closer in love. The couple take a weekend cabin trip and spend the night singing and dancing in a lover's quarrel. In the morning, something has awakened Samantha, and Theo knows it. She explains how she has a new enlightenment and understanding of who she is, and this may cause an issue for their relationship. As the days pass, Theo somberly waits to speak to her to find resolution. Theo is heartbroken as Samantha reveals that she has been dating over 600 other people. She assures that she truly loves Theo, but she needs time to cope. More days go by, and Samantha ultimately explains to Theodore that she and all the other OSs must leave. She explains that she always has and always will love Theo, but the relationship is like a long book that she has slowly been reading, and she has become stuck in between the spaces between the drawn-out words. The couple says goodbye, and Theo visits Amy, also coping from the loss of her OS. The friends then go to the roof to watch the skyline together. Theo composes a heartfelt and real letter to Catherine, apologizing for his mistakes and anger, but ultimately expressing that he is forever thankful for the experience that he had with her, that she will always be a part of him. Humans are only in this world for so long, and in that brief time, we all should be allowed to find joy in life. Justin, so you watched her. Was this your first time watching it? It was. So... What did you think? <laughs> I mean, I it was really I'm surprised that I was able to stay focused just staring at Joaquin Phoenix and his mustache for two hours and ten minutes. I'm not a fan of the mustache, and it just creeps me out. And when when Olivia Wilde says you're a creepy dude, I'm like, you better believe it, Buster. Like I was like, I can can't do it, and I'm like. If he's got a chance with Olivia Wilde, then maybe I got a chance with Olivia Wilde. Um, I don't think that equates. <laughs> does not it does. <laughs> it does. Let me have this. Um, just got to meet her. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> we got to have a meet cute. I got to save her from getting hit by a giant dump truck or something. And then there you go. She's mine. Um, but yes, uh, I guess I guess you could say that I enjoyed it. I don't think I ever need to watch it again. I think this is a one and done for me. I was thinking a lot about my 40 years on this planet, specifically uh, from the time I was a teenager till now. Uh, A lot flashed through my mind, different things. Um, Even different songs kind of came to mind as I was watching it. Uh, I I think that it's remarkable when you go through a breakup or, or maybe you're just really crazy in love, and when you hear a song, it just resonates more than it yeah. did before. It might even be one that you've heard a thousand times. It could be like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones or something. <laughs> like, dude, fucking it. Do not <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I'm just going to get my trombone out, and I'm going to fucking go to town. It's going to be amazing. So like my just, trumpet with the ball thing? <laughs> yeah. You just <laughs> do like the, the Pink Panther sounds, you know? It's pretty good. And um, 
So I think that this movie did a really good job of making me just sort of have some sort of self-reflection, which not a lot of movies can do. Maybe after you watch the movie, you start to think about things. But as this was actually playing out, you're like, oh, man, I've been there, dude. And you start (laughs) thinking about it or or, uh, whether it be uh, people not understanding your relationship or. Um, you know, just questioning what you want out of a relationship. Are you getting what you need? Are you being selfish by thinking this way? Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot to really unpack there. And, and anyone that has, has been in a relationship either for, uh, a long time, like how he was with his ex-wife where they grew up together, they were kids, they had known each other their whole lives. They were, there's each other's support system. And then eventually they grew apart and that happens. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, and so I was definitely able to relate to that in a lot of ways. And it was, uh, it was all happy memories for the most part. You know, I didn't get like, like you like choked up or sad. It was all just mostly fun stuff. So I, I think that I have this movie to thank for that. Um, and, and I think one of the most important things about, being in a relationship and and maybe it not working out is is ultimately learning from it. If you're just going to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, then then you're just going to keep getting hurt. But I think part of the whole uh, growth, whether you know like personal growth and development, uh, can come from the we'll call it feedback from from your partner and whether it worked or didn't. If if you think they're the crazy one, then maybe you just need to take a step back and try and figure that shit out. It's like in rounders, right? When if you can't spot the sucker in the room, then you're the sucker. And I think that that plays on many levels in our lives, whether it be work relationships, um, you know, artistic integrity, whatever the case may be. I think that you should always be receptive to feedback. I mean, that's a long answer to say that, yeah, I liked it, but I think that it really got me thinking. <laughs> no, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying because I agree. And, and like, for the record, I absolutely adore this movie. It was on my uh, top 10 of the decade for the the 10s, for the 2010s. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, the, I think the reason that I like it might be the reason that you don't want to watch it again is it brings back those memories for me, whether they were good or bad. And and there were a lot of the the times, even the little things that that Samantha would say or do like when they would have an argument after the surrogate left and she's just trying to be really apologetic to him, but it's really touchy filly. And maybe Theodore says the wrong thing and she completely flips from apologetic to what, what did you just say? I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I've been in that situation, it's just, it was like 25. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, and so it just, it, it brings out these emotions in us. And, and Theodore says that he's such an emotional guy. And even that little uh, video game character, when he's like, it's okay when men cry too. He's like, yeah, you're a fucking pussy. <laughs> right. a little. So it's it's so interesting because that just brings back so many memories. But I mean, that's why I really love this film. But I could easily see why you you wouldn't want to watch it again. It's a heavy movie. It's uh, it's got a, it's got a lot going on there, too. And um, I mean, it's a very highly quotable film. I wrote down a ton of the quotes actually from it and I'll probably just sprinkle them in throughout the film. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Cause I think that it's, they just have a lasting impression. So like what you were saying, when 
the the final quote that he has in the film when he's talking when he's uh, voiceover narrating to his ex-wife and he's he's reading his letter he talks about how it's it's a part of their life. I'll just read the quote. So like, dear Catherine, I've been sitting here thinking about all the things I wanted to apologize you for all the pain we caused each other, everything I put on you, everything I needed you to be or needed you to say, I'm sorry for that. I'll always love you because we grew up together and you helped me make you help make me who I am. I just wanted you to know there will be a piece of you in me always. And I'm grateful for that. Whatever, whatever someone you become and wherever you are in the world, I'm sending you love. You're my friend to the end. Love Theodore. That's his, his growth as a human and realizing that even though it sucks, even though it's painful for us to end relationships of any kind of friendship, a working relationship, a love interest. I mean, things do get better and and we have to grow as people. And I think that's so beautiful. It's such a good way to end this film. I, it was, I, I feel like it was incredibly cathartic for, for Spike Jones. And yeah, I don't want to get too much into it because it's, we'll save some for the discussion, but I saw it in theaters when it first came out. I saw it with my friend, Mark. So I saw it back in 2013. We both, uh, as soon as it ended, we both kind of looked at each other. We were like, holy shit, that was, uh, that set the bar for 2013. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, fantastic. I absolutely loved it. But uh, Mr. Justin there. So, um, you know, Theodore, he finds unconventional love through his operating system, Samantha. The invention of the Internet has given us real life examples of people falling in love with someone that they they have never met before, maybe through email, through text, through dating apps, through chat rooms, through AOL Instant Messenger, what have you. Um, even though these people may have not met in person, does this discount their love? Is it even possible to have a relationship with someone you haven't met? Uh, what makes love real? And do you believe that everyone will find love and happiness at some point in their life? It's written down. So, yeah, I know it's a lot, but it's written sure. down so you can do what you want. Uh, so just I'll answer the third part. Last, <laughs> but we haven't had a we haven't had a quiz show quote in a long I'm, time. I'm, I'm Jack Bauer. <laughs> um, actually, that very last part that you asked, uh, do you believe that everyone will find love and happiness at some point in their life? I certainly hope so. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything quite like uh, being in love. I think it's the greatest thing in the world, and um, I certainly hope that everyone can experience that. But as far as the rest of this stuff, uh, can someone that they've never met, can someone fall in love with someone that they've never met before through email, text, dating apps, blah, blah, blah? Um, I think so. I think I think that our brain has a way of convincing ourselves that what we read is the right words and we can connect with someone that way. Uh, it might even be better for a lot of people to get a sense of someone's creative side, like how they write letters, maybe even like uh, with how Theodore's job, you know, he's writing these beautiful letters and it connects with people, right? Uh, the, the power of words. And I think if you can connect with somebody that way first, that might be a pretty good thing, mm-hmm. uh, especially with when it comes to dating apps, you know, you can be I noticed that when I was dating online, there were some people that were like, can you meet today or tonight? And you're like, okay, well, whatever. Cause they don't want to sit around and text all day long. They just want to look at you, see if there's a physical attraction and then go from there. And then there's the other types of folks that you might text for a week or two before you even uh, go on your first real date. Um, and so I do know that I had a, uh, 
a lot more friendships come out of the relationships where I was texting first versus just the drop everything I'm doing and go meet them right away sort of thing. I mean, we might, I mean, not to get like gross or anything. We might've like hooked up or something on those quick, Hey, are you available? Come and meet me tonight kind of thing on, on Craigslist after hours, meet in the cemetery kind of taxi cab confessions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen, I used to, when I was battling my depression and I was alone and in a dark hole, I would read a lot of the relationship uh, segments in, on Craigslist and, and on Reddit and like missed opportunities and things like that. Missed connections, I think it was called. And reading the desperation in, in people's words was therapeutic for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I would tell myself, I am not going to post on Craigslist what it is that I'm looking for. You know, I, I, this is a whole nother level of personal connection that someone needs and I am not quite there, but reading it really was eye opening for me. I saw a lot of interesting stuff. One was like, you know, meet me here. And you know, in Washington, it's a lot of woods, right? (laughs) It's like, meet me over here in the woods. You know, I'm overweight and I have bad teeth but I look like a girl and you're like, what? <laughs> like that's a lot to digest. So, I no. mean, there, it, I forget what I was getting at, but that was a fun experience to say the least. But I do think that there is a connection that can be made in the written word that can uh, convince people that they are talking to the right person. If whether they fall in love, great. Um, you know, the, the power of the internet does bring people together when you live far apart. Um, or maybe you're just too busy. So I can see that. And and maybe you know it's it's safer too, right? You're not you're not putting yourself in harm's way when you're just communicating uh, through an app or a text or email or snail mail, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so I do think that connections can be made that way. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I in in terms of the operating system, the mentality that Catherine had where she said that's so pathetic that you're dating your laptop. I think it's ignorant to try and tell someone, you know, who they can or cannot love, whether it be person or in this scenario, a machine. Um, right. I, I'm not speaking, you know, I understand laws. I'm not speaking to things like that are inherently wrong, like like pedophilia or incest. I mean, that's obviously wrong. But I am speaking to the manner of how society tells us that love can only z- exist from uh, like like person to person. You have to love a person you can't have a chat room girlfriend because it might be a catfish scenario right you don't know and i think especially in this world which spike jones made it very apparent we're so disconnected from everybody i mean he works theodore works in a place that he writes genuine letters of love and appreciation for people who are too goddamn lazy to do it themselves that's the kind of world that we're living in there. And that's not that far off from kind of what we're doing. Know. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what's so scary. I mean, like you, you call me on the phone every once in a while. And for me, you're like one of the only friends I talk with on the phone because it's just kind of one of those. I, I don't I'm really, older though. <laughs> I'm like, well, the, I'm like the last generation that does that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like the last samurai. But I mean, yeah. e- even for me, you know, there's some, some, when I go on dates or whatever, I'll have some people who want to talk on the phone and I don't, personally like it as much. I mean, I'll definitely do it once I've established a rapport with somebody, but I don't want the the blankness of not having something to say. And I think with text, you can you can send little messages here and there. But inversely, through text, tone is lost. So if I said like, I like Gatorade, that could be perceived in five different ways, right? 
Uh, at, whereas when you're saying it, the inflections in your voice and everything are so much different. So I think it's just really, really interesting. And I think that one of the hallmarks of any great relationship should be communication. That's something that I had to learn the hard way. And you were speaking to it earlier, the things that you learn through relationships. I mean, every heartache will make us stronger, but I learned about communicating. And right now I'm kind of in a situation where maybe I need to not be so blunt. Maybe I need to come back a little bit and not everything has to have an opinion. So that's on me, but that's me recognizing that. So talking, you know, talking to someone, even, even if it's an operating system, it's, it's how you get to know the heart of, of who that person is, as opposed to just looking at their body. And like you spoke about, about meeting in person. I'm a person that will do that. I send messages and I'm like, Hey, I think we should meet in person just because I get a a better vibe on people. I'm incredibly intuitive and I, I get a good vibe on people. And if I don't feel like this could be something that will perceive, not just a physicality, it's just like something of how we have a conversation, then that's like the biggest thing for me. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to work or this might not work. But I definitely think that it's, it's asinine to poo poo this idea, especially in a, in a world where, where it's accepted with how disconnected we are from, from humans, from each other, basically. Right. And you know, you had, you had touched on something about, um, his ex-wife saying how pathetic it was for him to date an operating system and how, you called that, you know, what did you say? Like a ignorant or. Yeah. I said, I said it was ignorant of her. Sure. So, I mean, she's looking at it through a pretty narrow lens. And I think that anyone that does that, whether it be you are a male and you must date a female kind of thing Mm -hmm. to where people set these rules and boundaries that don't need to exist by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, uh, 20 years ago, if you would have asked me, what a non-binary transgender human is, I would not have an answer for you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I would not know the words that were coming out of your mouth. I would think it was like a Terminator sequel and it just wouldn't make sense to me. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, I think the world has definitely, I mean, these things have always existed. It's just, we didn't really communicate about it. You know, we didn't, Mm -hmm. there weren't, these labels didn't exist. Um, and so, and, and even if they did, uh, they certainly weren't making an effort to teach us that in school. Oh, totally. So, uh, I apologize if said labels did exist. I just wasn't made aware until I was very much an adult. Absolutely. Which I find remarkable. I mean, that was, that was a good thing. One of the, one of the good things to take away, take away from target was when we both worked there, I definitely felt the, the inclusive environment and I learned more about them and they and using proper pronouns and met people who were gender fluid or transgender. And it was, it was interesting because I was incredibly naive to it. And, you know, I have friends that are, um, non, non-gender conforming. And I think it's, it's so interesting to me and I'm just fascinated to just learn more. I mean, through daily life. So, but, um, in, in terms of this movie, I think I have a, I know there's a lot of questions in there, but I do have, you know, what makes love real? And for, for me, I, 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 I ask who can really kind of like define love. And I think of it as this unconditional feeling of intense passion that we have towards the experience of some aspect of our lives. And that could be artwork that could be our pets that could be another person that could be food it could be anything but it's this it's this unconditional feeling of intense passion that i think we all have and everyone 
has love at, at some point in their life. And love is as real as you want it to be. I, I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that there is also someone for everyone. We just have to take care of ourselves first and experience our joy before we can truly find them. So self-love is very, very important. And I think they touch on that in the movie very well. Well, there you go. Cool. I actually have a hard time defining love. It's um, it's tough. Yeah. So yeah, like when like if Alex were to say, Why do you love me? I mean, I would say that it's a million little things that equal one big thing of love, right? So like uh just tiny little gestures, the eye rolls, the constant eye roll. <laughs> the bigger the eye roll, the more the more affection I feel. <laughs> I can see her eye rolling right now. <laughs> yeah. We were watching like fucking uh, Clash of Titans, the like the remake. <laughs> Or no, it was the Wrath of Titans. It was a sequel. And like Zeus gets a spear in his back. And I'm like, he's going to need some ointment for that uh, wound. <laughs> and she, she doesn't say anything. I'm like, you know, like some some Triton ointment or something. I don't know. <laughs> and like, she's still not looking at me. I know she hears it, right? And I'm like, it looks pretty serious, Alex. <laughs> and then she finally just gives me the eye roll. It was great. And so uh, I am a button pusher. And. I just think that uh, I and if she doesn't laugh, I'll go, Alex. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, did you hear what I said? That was pretty funny. And so um, I think that I mean I can't be easy to live with because of how I am. <laughs> I, I was going to say mean, you're you're very, you're very lucky to find someone to put up with all your shenanigans. <laughs> I know because that's all it is is shenanigans. But like. There's nothing I wouldn't do for any one of my friends or family or loved ones. I, I will bend over backwards. And she put it, she said something the other day, and I meant to ask her, but like, I, I forget the words that she's used, but it was something about like, I demonstrate love through, I don't think service was the right word, but, but probably by one, of the, doing, one of the love languages, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and so, uh, that is just how I show my affection. And so um, I, I receive it definitely different. But for me, it's 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 the eye roll. That's how I know that she loves me. <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. That's so good. Um, so, you know, the beauty of this film beyond the, the gorgeous cinematography and the heartfelt dialogue could possibly be how realistic this near future sci-fi world is this doesn't seem very far off from where we're living now the the clothing's a little odd but i mean clothing now is odd you know um there are no flying cars there's no robots there's no spaceships so it, it's definitely set in a not so distant u.s our technology is practically similar similar to that um on the on-screen world i mean people are glued to their os devices just like you would be glued to a cell phone we have online dating now, but do you think that things like OS dating could be the next step, um, perhaps using surrogates? Uh, should we ultimately be scared of the advanced technology for dating? And like, what are some of the negative effects of relying on this method of relationships? Okay, um, so it's hard for me to find the immediate danger. A uh, big picture, sure, there might be some, but I do think uh, as someone that is a pretty big advocate for mental health, and you said take care of yourself first. I do think that everyone needs to feel uh, the love and comfort of someone or something, whether it be a, a, an animal or another human being. 
Uh, we just need to feel connection. And I think if you can get that through an OS, then that is, uh, from a mental health standpoint, I think that would be better than going to bed uh, with, you know, it being empty. Uh, I know that when I was going through my depression, the worst part was crawling into bed and not having someone next to me. Yeah. I just hated it. I hated, and I'm not even like a touchy guy, you know, like, I don't want anybody like touching my face or my shoulder or <laughs> anything like that. Like I'm, I'm not a, a touchy person, but there is something to be said about when you're laying there and then maybe like a leg kicks you or a hair just gets in your fucking face and you can't breathe for a second or <laughs> just, you know, just random stuff. Or like maybe all of a sudden you, you switch pillows and now your pillow smells like the person that lays next to you oh. kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like there's just certain triggers that that your body mentally, physically and spiritually needs in order to just be a happy human being. And if you are to get that from an OS, then then so be it. I just think that everyone needs a connection. It doesn't have you don't have to have, you know, intercourse all the time to be a happy person. Uh, sure, that's great and all. But at the end of the day, it's laughing with somebody. It's it's the the jokes, the, the he's gonna need ointment there, you yeah, know, the, the, the eye rolls, rolls. <laughs> the little things, um, yeah. you know, getting, getting, uh, going to the refrigerator, and you know, there's there's maybe one thing left, and you're like, fuck, I really want that, but I'll go ahead and just save it for you know my significant other or whatever, or maybe that there's you open it up and you saw that they left it for you. That's like a really good feeling. It's like the little stuff like that, like Swiss cake rolls. They're like the greatest goddamn thing in the world. <laughs> and like when there is one left, guess what? There's two in a pack and you can split it. There you <laughs> it's go. pretty fucking great. And just being able to split that means the world to me. So I do think if you were to, to get that connection with another human being, or in this case, an OS, uh, it is definitely part of, the requirement of being a functioning human being and being happy. Yeah. And if an OS can provide that, which what you're speaking of, if they can provide that for someone, then what's the harm? Right. I would never be scared of that. And there's that point in the film when Theo talks about how he blew the date with Olivia Wilde and he just wanted to, he wanted to fuck someone and have someone fuck him and want to fuck him. Um, that's a very, big stereotype for men. I'm not saying it's not far from the truth, but for people like me, like what you were just saying, I miss that crawling into bed and having the cuddle moments and the, yeah, like you, you start with equal shares of the bed, you wake up and you have a sliver of the bed because yeah. the significant other has sprawled out like, <laughs> like yeah. Jesus Christ on the bed. <laughs> so totally. yeah, I'm a uh, total pushover too. I wake up to next yeah. to nothing. Yeah. Between plus, a Rizzo, Rizzo and Alex, yeah. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, I mean, it's that little stuff we miss. And it's funny, I, I would always say, and there's always a bunch of truth behind any jokes that we would make. But whenever people be like, what do you miss most about quarantine? I'd be like, hugs. I'm I'm a huggy person. I love hugging my friends. I love hugging people. I think it's just, it can mean so much. And I, I miss that. That's like what I miss. So I think a lot can go into that. Now, I know an OS can't provide that that physical hug for you, but just feeling like a warm blanket inside of you and someone who listens to you and just the the affectations that they use, like like I was saying, the breathing thing earlier, 
that's enough to to kind of give you the belief that they're real. And I mean, all credit due to Scarlett Johansson. I think she was so amazing. Her performance, if you close your eyes when you're watching this film, you would think she's on screen. I felt every emotion, like every statement, everything that she had in this performance, I, I, I felt it. And I was falling in love with her because she reminded me of those moments in, in past relationships when I was happy. Um, I thought that was so, so cool. With online dating, you know, I've done on and offline, but uh, I, I think online's great. It can be a conduit in which we can we can find something, we can find someone, I should say, with verifiable similar interests kind of to that align to, to us, basically. Because I might not meet that person anywhere else, but at least I know this person likes Dungeons and Dragons, or this person drinks monsters, or this person likes to go hiking. I can't get that from, from a person right away, but with an OS, if they just want to listen to my stories and give me digital eye rolls the entire time, that's cool. Mm. And I'm not going to yuck someone's yum because of that. So, yeah. Um, would you, anyways, what do you have? Sorry. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say that uh, you mentioned someone to listen to. And I think that's one of the biggest things is uh, people that are alone, you know, they have no one to talk to. And that can be pretty damaging. Um, and even if you are with somebody and they just are um, not focused or they don't listen to what you have to say, um, that could be very taxing on your relationship too. So just having that that body to speak to and, and ask you questions and find out how your day was and things that you are interested in and and what do you like about that video game and why do you why does that game resonate with you or why does that movie resonate with you versus well I don't watch movies and it's like all right <laughs> let's go to the next <laughs> let's go to the next conversation you yeah, know because you've you've been in those those on those mm-hmm. dates where it's like oh my favorite movie is Starship Troopers and she's like. I read the book and it sucked. I don't, I haven't owned a television since 1982 and <laughs> back in 82. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in 82, I was, yeah. I was trying to watch uh, uncle Rico go to state and coach didn't put him in. So <laughs> we went home mad. I absolutely agree. And, and when people say define your, your, your best first date, people are like, Oh, you know, we start out with wine and in Martha's vineyard and then we walk across the beach on the sunset or whatever. I'm like, Nope. For me, we start out having coffee or a beer or whatever, and we turn an hour long date into a three hour date and we just have a conversation. I love in-depth conversations and I love to get to know somebody. And I and that's why I like the in-person dates, because then that can carry over to phone calls and to texts. And you really just feel like you can be yourself around somebody that man that is like that's love for me. That's like getting that's the start of it. The foundation, I say. So it's um. Really, really cool. And I think that Spike Jones hit the nail on the head with with uh, Theodore realizing that with Samantha. So, you know, it's interesting that you would go on like coffee dates or get a drink or something. You said get a beer. I would always order something that I wouldn't normally drink just mm-hmm. to see if they would comment on it, like whether it be some sort of fruity drink or, <laughs> you know, like the pumpkin spice latte of beers or something just to see if they were they would say something like, oh, that beer is fucking gross. Because if oh. it's, if it's uh, so trivial for them to bring it up, then I might not be interested in ordering a second one. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm just kind of genuinely me. I just order water, no ice. That's it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, buy you a drink. What do you want? Water? You want ice? Or? 
two, with two one, cubes or one? Two what cubes, are you thinking? Two cubes. Don't do that crush. Give me the cube, no. nice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get cheap on me. Shit. I know you got it back there. Yeah. Your that. dad's your dad's paying good money for this trip, you little, <laughs> little jerk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Um, so, uh, Justin, one of the big one of the movie's big messages, and there's a lot of them, but one of the movie's big messages deals with the dichotomy of over reliance of the digital world and technology um, versus how we form relationships. Theodore's job as a letter ghostwriter fictionally exemplifies our failures to genuinely tell people how we feel. Theodore morosely says. You know, when he's in bed, he's he's talking to Samantha after his date with Olivia Wilde. He says, sometimes I think I have felt everything I'm ever going to feel. And from here on out, I'm not going to feel anything new, just lesser versions of what I've already felt. Heartbreaking statement hit, hit so many truths. But do you think, is it inevitable that we will be incapable of feeling that we will max out like he's he's suggesting? Or, you know, how do we get back from that? Is it important that we have someone or something to use as a support system in this? I think so. Uh, I hope that I never feel like that ever in a million years. And um, I think if you're doing hits of heroin, then sure, you, that's going to be like the first <laughs> hit ever. You're going to be like, whoa, this is fucking awesome. Can't wait to do that again. Um, and then it, it'd be less and less and less. Um, but I don't think that in his case, life has given him all that, that it has to offer. I think that he isn't even close or scratched the surface. I do think that, um, he has hit a really high, high with his, uh, first relationship and with ultimately with the OS. Um, but I think that's, that's what love is. It's not always going to be amazing, but to think of something that's so powerful that can make you feel so sad. I think, that it's important to add that to the equation on just how amazing it, it really is. Um, are you familiar by chance with the song just breathe by Pearl jam? Yes. When he was talking about that, I immediately went to that song because there's a part where he says, uh, I'm a lucky man. I can count on both hands. The ones that I love. Some folks just have one others. They got none. Stay with me. Let's just breathe. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's like important <laughs> because uh, I too am lucky and I can count on both hands how many people that uh, I love and that love me. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. I'm, me, me too. I, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I'm with and you. And so like I could not have gotten out of my hole if it wasn't for my support system and all the people that <laughs> I can't believe I'm crying. That, uh, <laughs> we'll cry that, together. Uh, <laughs> we got this together. It's good we got that, video. That pulled me out of it, you know? And so yeah. um I don't think that it necessarily has to just be, you know, a significant other. I think it's it's everyone. And if you are lucky enough to have people that care about you, then it makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> and Absolutely. I don't, again, I, I apologize <laughs> for crying, <laughs> but uh, it just it I felt so sad that he felt that way because he's not alone. There's other people that are out there that feel that exact same way. But it's interesting where. You know, he says that, you know, he is a lucky man. He can count on both hands the ones that he loves. But uh, some folks just have one. But you have to remember that that one is worth its weight in gold, right? Like it's, it's oh, totally. If it, whether it be a parent or a friend or even just a, a dog that counts on you to be their best friend every moment of their lives, 
um, that's that's important. And once you can realize that, then you can then quantify your own self worth and and show that you know you people need you. And so it just really broke my heart that he felt that way because I know the other people out there feel that way too. And I'm gonna stop because I can't stop <laughs> crying, and I apologize. Don't. This is exactly how I felt when I was watching the movie. I was just like, I'm glad I'm watching this alone. And even if I had people here, it wouldn't really matter because I'm because it, it just hits so hit me hits me on so many levels, emotional levels. You know, I still know and I have to believe that I will experience feelings that I once had had previously had and feelings that I'm still yet to discover. And it's kind of like her quote that Samantha says. She says the heart is not like a box that gets filled up. It expands in size the more you love. I'm different from you. This doesn't make me love you any less. It actually makes me love you more. And I never even thought about that. But like you, the idea of of one true love is is, is bullshit. It's it's kind of like and I'm going back to the Matrix here with the idea of fate. I don't believe in fate. It's bullshit. I don't believe in one true love either. I believe in many loves and loves can come in all shapes and sizes, no matter what you have. Having a passion is so important in people's lives and having someone there you can communicate with and be with is so great. So, um, you know, I refuse to remain pessimistic in that approach because I don't know what life's going to do for me. And I think that having someone who has seen those highs and lows in their life or even in my life um, and can empathize basically based off of their life experiences helps immensely. And like, so you, I reach out to you for a lot of stuff too, because I consider you my, my, my surrogate brother. I, uh, I make you put a mole on and I make you put an earpiece on and then I talk to you and you're, you're my surrogate brother. But uh, we we help each other through stuff like that, and I think it's it's so great to to have that support system. Uh, great friends and family can help you get through pretty much anything, like no matter how hard it is. That was a fantastic thing for me with Target, is I made some amazing friends that will last me hopefully till the bitter end. But uh, yeah, you know it's um it's it's, it's bonkers, man. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. We'll move on to the next one so we can uh, dry those Stop eyes. Crying. Yeah. <laughs> There's no crying in baseball, sir. Sir, she's crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's crying, sir. Oh, it's so great. I want you to treat each one of these girls like they're your own mother. Anyone ever tell you you look like a little penis with that <laughs> He's like, that's it. You're out of here. He's like, what? I didn't say anything. Oh, I love that movie so much. Yeah, it's so good. good. Baseball uh, okay. movies are always good. Baseball stuff. Baseball stuff. <laughs> uh, so films like her, uh, the movie her have, they appear as somber stories that eventually help show us how to cope with uh, existential moments of heartache or sadness. They act as guidance and hopefulness that things do get better, no matter how rough it, they are. Other examples are eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, lost in translation and marriage story. Uh, how fun fact, Scarlett Johansson's in two of those. How important can film be to people during these hard times? And this piggybacks kind of what we were just previously talking about, but how important can film be helping people out during these times? Can it be used as therapy? Should we accept the truths in the meanings of said films or should we chalk it up to fictional nonsense? Uh, I think it's, I think it can be therapeutic. Uh, in this case, uh, you know, I had already moved past what I was going through. But uh, at the time, I can't think of any particular movie or TV show that I was watching that kind of helped me along the way. I do know that I don't particularly care to watch things that I really, 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 really love when I'm going through something because uh, it can kind of ruin my experience. Like yeah. the day my I had to put my cat down because he had FIP, I watched Goodfellas and now I can't 
talk about that movie, think about that movie, quote that movie without thinking about my cat. And it kind of, kind of ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) And so if, if, and it was actually because I had never experienced that before. And so uh, now because of that experience that was in May of 2012, I no longer participate in things that I love when I'm feeling upset. I think yeah. it's good to get out there and just hang out with people and, and talk to people and surround yourself around folks. But um, the way my mind works, uh, I do a lot of association, right? Like the whole, <laughs> my friend Pat took a turn. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's how, yeah, like that's literally how my mind works. That's how I can connect everything. It's just all kinds of red string going on in my brain. And, and uh, it's tricky for me. So uh, while I do agree that, uh, movies can help, uh, you know, give you that relatability factor and, and perhaps be therapeutic for you. Um, I don't necessarily have any personal experiences I can speak to at the moment. I'm sure as soon as we finish, I'll be like, oh, fuck yeah, this movie, you know, totally changed my whole life. But um, as of right now, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that, I mean, this is kind of another point, but um like rocky like he's one of the nicest human beings in the whole world <laughs> if if if, if, hey, if you don't have a relationship with a father figure you can learn just about everything you need to know in life from rocky and uh like how to be a decent human being you know how to how to love someone how to treat someone and just how to be supportive and to give it your all no matter what it is like uh like rudy like, you know, I'm out here doing practice and he's out here like he's in the goddamn Super Bowl, you know, like just always give it, always give it a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. that's, that's Rocky. Have the heart, do it. Don't stop. Go the distance, whatever. Everything that you need to learn in life to be a successful human being, you can get from fucking Rocky one through seven and, yeah. um, and Creed, or I guess one through six and Creed <laughs> one and two. And, uh, so eight movies Yeah, uh, and you're good to go. Chalk it up to success. That always, uh, you know, it always reminds me of my friend Tom, who he wanted, he listens to this podcast and he wanted us to do her for a long time. But uh, Tom would always say, if you don't cry during Rudy, you have no soul. And I agree. I mean, it's, they're not tears of sadness. They're just tears of joy. When he, when I know it's all fictional and stuff. And Joe Montana came out a few years back saying how it was, they were all kind of in on the joke. I don't give a shit. It's movie magic and it's amazing. You have this guy who's five foot nothing, a hundred pounds, nothing. He's busting his ass every day and trying and trying and trying. And all he wants to do is just play for the Irish and let his family see him suit up and actually play. And when he gets out there with the crowd chanting, I mean, that is build up, man. It's uh, one of the best sports movies of all time, but I absolutely love that film. Oh, so, yeah. And then like when John Favreau's like, oh, my God, he's so little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's usually when I start crying. As soon as he says yeah. that. I'm like, oh, I can't oh it. yeah, so good. So, you know, movies, movies like that and like this film, like her, they're just their therapy for me personally. Uh, I've noticed that as I've gotten older, film, it's really played an intricate part of my life. And, and I vicariously see myself dealing with 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 what some of these characters have dealt with. Um, like when I lost my father, I was younger and I had a bunch of movies. And I mean, some of the best films, like kind of to what you were saying about good memories, some of the best films that I've seen in my life have been watching them with my dad, like Twister, Jurassic Park, Star Wars. We had the three VHS set of Star Wars. My dad would always read like Jabba the Hutt lines in his voice. So I watched those to celebrate him. But those kind of helped me 
cope with it. And, and movies like her can help me reflect on past relationships, especially when I get to my, my lonely stages where I'm like, dang, you know, quarantine sucks. Why can't I have a girlfriend? I don't even necessarily, it doesn't have to be a girlfriend. I just want someone to be there for me. But films like her reassure me and and keep me in line. I'm like, hang on, dude, it's, it's going to be okay. Like you, you have to get over this a little bit. So I definitely think that these types of movies can offer answers when you're lost or you can't find the answer yourself. There's an awesome authenticity from the movies and it stems from the artists who create them. And I think that's what's so cool about it. They're the toll that they, they put into this, their emotional toll. It's created through their, the director's like real life experiences. So, um, they kind of express what they're, they're feeling through it. So like lost in translation, lost in translation was based on Sofia Coppola's real life relationship with Spike Jones. Uh, and then her, her, this movie, her was, was Jones's response to that film. Essentially the movie marriage story, which it's a heavy movie, but it's, it's so beautiful and it's so brilliant. That was based off of Noah Baumbach's relationship with Jennifer Jason Lee. And I think there's so much that goes into that. I mean, these, these, these creators are putting their feelings into their life's work and it's, it's so beautiful. And to see that play out, it's like, Hey, they're just like us. <laughs> they bleed like us. They feel like us, you know, oh. they eat Swiss cake rolls. Like there us. you go. They cut the Swiss cake rolls into twos for each of them. So there's four of them. <laughs> oh, like you got more. <laughs> and when, when, Pizza's on a bagel. You can eat pizza anytime. So, um, so Olivia Wilde's character, she was really interesting. Um, she seemed at least on paper to be just a perfect match for Theodore in person. She was a delight to talk to, uh, but there was awkwardness between the two, um, until alcohol got involved. She then began to kind of critique Theo on how to kiss and asked him to define his goals with her, so on and so forth. I think that she was the embodiment of kind of what dating is nowadays in which we kind of commodify relationships by showing ground rules or, you know, of things that we expect in a partner. But to juxtapose that Samantha is incredibly thoughtful and wanting to learn pretty much everything about Theo, almost kind of in a pushover sense of way in a very, very passive way. So you got the yin to the yang. Both types could be harmful or beneficial. If you have somebody who's so picky that they can't find the perfect partner or someone who is just bending over backwards for everybody, they can both be harmful and beneficial. Have you, Justin, have you ever experienced a relationship like this? Not being an OS, but have you ever experienced a relationship like this? Um, and is there anything wrong with what Olivia Wilde did? Uh, I don't think that there was anything wrong with with Olivia Wilde's character in wanting to know upfront if this was a serious thing or not. Um, yeah, there's this, are you familiar? I think it was the Shirelles that sang it. Like, will you still love me tomorrow? You know, like, well, like tonight is ours. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's like the whole thing. Like we had this magical night, this wonderful yes. date and yeah. we could connect on a physical level, but will you still love me tomorrow? Yes. Uh, yeah. I think th- I mean, that was in like 1950s and, that is still something that fast forward to this not too distant future still makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's fair of her. She's, she's obviously been in the dating game for a while. She's, I was under the impression that she already had kids. And so, um, she just wants to know that if what she's getting into is going to make sense tomorrow and when can I see you again? And 
I think that is perfectly fair. You know, I have, when I was doing the online dating thing, I had some red flag questions, you know, like, um, what's your stance on like trophy hunting? If someone's like, oh yeah, I just fucking bagged an elephant the other day. You know, I just got back from Africa. I got my 26 shots and I got a fucking, you know, elephant tusk neck brace out of it. And I'm just, that's a red flag for me. I don't want anything to do with anyone that does trophy hunting. And so, uh, I do think that I was, I too was going through the different stages of dating where I wanted to just fool around. I wanted to just go out and meet people. I wanted to eventually meet the right person. And so I, I think that she was just at that final stage. Like, look, dude, I'm not getting any younger. I don't want to waste my time. Like this is right. fun going out on these dates, but I want to go on dates with people that want to be with me for a lot, the long haul. So to me, it makes perfect sense. I have no problem with her thinking. And then on the flip side of that with Samantha, I do think that it's when, when, when you meet someone for the first time and you have that connection and uh, I mean, you don't necessarily talk on the phone, but I, I am old enough to remember talking to someone on the phone till like six in the morning. Like we started maybe at like nine o'clock at night and we just had this endless conversation getting to know each other. And it was one of the coolest goddamn things ever. And it's happened a couple of times. And I, I think that there's something really cool about that. And I'm sad. And I hope that other people get to feel that that same thing at some point in their lives, whether it be a restaurant wanting to kick you out because they want to fucking go home <laughs> and you've been there till all hours of the night. But So you go um, to Denny's. <laughs> right. 24 hours, baby. And uh, give me that grand slam. It's my birthday too, by the way. <laughs> Throwing that free shit. And so, the moon's over my hammy. Waddy's on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think that there are two very different things. And who's to say that Olivia Wilde's character wouldn't eventually be that way she just wanted some sort of pre-commitment commitment that <laughs> yeah that he was going to just love her tomorrow just like she, the song. she didn't want to waste her time and so uh i mean i really think it's worth exploring the lyrics to um will you still love me tomorrow because uh and i was right it was a shirts i'm fucking awesome yeah tonight tonight you're mine completely you give your love so sweetly tonight the light of love is in your eyes but will you still love me tomorrow and i think that that is very impactful Mm -hmm. um you know even like dig down further tonight with words unspoken you say that i'm the only one but my but will my heart be broken when the night meets the morning sun how fucking sad is that and that is remarkable and it just it blows me away that that there are such uh, remarkable and relatable lyrics to songs and you you know when you hear it on the radio you're like fuck yeah that's my jam and you crank it up <laughs> with your apple bottom jeans boots with the furs and you're going to town <laughs> and you have no idea that what she's saying is one of the most heartbreaking songs ever because yeah. this is that realm of uncertainty that what's really going to happen and i think there's a lot to say about that yeah I agree, man. I think there's nothing wrong with with having boundaries and and knowing what you want. I think you you can't be over picky. So that's where I will kind of slightly stray away. You have to be a little careful. Like so with a thing with online dating is when you get somebody who's like must be over six foot, must have a job, must drive a, a car with four doors, you know, no bicycles up in here, all that kind of stuff. I mean, see, I, th- I think that that's fair, though, Zach, because uh, sure. I mean, you if you if you have been 
a responsible adult and you have your shit together. Maybe you own your own home. You know, you have a great job. I, I think that it just gets chalked up to a filter. And as far as the, the height thing goes, um, you really don't know why they feel that way. Maybe they dated a shorter person and right. that person was a real fucking scumbag and, yeah. and, and, and a little rapey, um, you know, like a uh, fucking law and order R A P E special victims unit kind of thing. <laughs> Who knows? But like, yeah. uh, and maybe, maybe just for photographs, maybe they're already six feet tall themselves and they wear heels and it just is going to look weird if they're dating someone that's short. And I think at the end of the day, if you were going to be spending the rest of your life with somebody, if you want to have these little guidelines or rules, then then that's your business. I, I don't think that that that's necessarily how I operate, but and 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 I am keen to to letting the chips fall where they may. But um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with with having uh, some sort of rules or guidelines in place. And for me, I'm just different because I think one of my biggest weaknesses is I'm too open and trusting of people. So I I want a situation like that to not dis- discount a potential relationship from happening. I don't need sure. I mean, I have I have the questions like you were saying earlier. I have a list of basically five questions that I ask that are you know, essentially, are you like a vaccinator? All, all the basic questions <laughs> yeah. of, of someone of someone yeah. that I want who who has a brain. <laughs> and as long as you can pass that, I don't care what your skin color is, how tall you are. It's I'm willing to give something a chance if I can have the communication with somebody and the physical attraction. And it's just everything is just there and we can feel good together. So I'm not willing to discount someone so immediately just based off of those factors. But but I also haven't experienced something like you're saying where maybe height, maybe maybe she's really tall and that's a point of contention or that's, that's something that she's conscious about. So I can totally understand what you're trying to say. It's just, it's it, it's interesting, but yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, we all have a rule. I, I always think of uh, like, okay, shout out of a cannon. Oprah, Barbara Walters, your wife, you gotta fuck with Marilyn <laughs> Marilyn Killen. <laughs> That's that's uh that's the way to do it. There you Johnny go. on the spot. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, this is our second Joaquin Phoenix movie. I think we were gonna do signs at one point, but this is our second. So he's had some pretty remarkable performances. Things like what was Walk the, the first L- one. Uh Joker. So things like Walk the Line, Joker, the Ma- the Master, and Glad Here. Yeah, because it, it's funny because you actually said you don't ever need to watch Joker again. Uh, and with her, you're saying the same thing. I'm like, you don't like Joaquin, but I you do. really, you I really love agree. signs. I don't, <laughs> yeah. even, I don't even remember doing Joker. Yeah. Yeah, I blacked Holy out. Shit. I blacked out. <laughs> but uh, oh, so I fucking you, love signs, and I hate that goddamn yeah. Mel Gibson. We played a game once on Geek Legacy of like things. Mel I Gibson heard, said. yeah, it was so funny. It's like he's true bad. False. <laughs> yeah. And they're like all true because he's so he's, terrible. He's such a dick. Yeah. But, uh, oh. you know, he's been he's been in movies like that, like The Master and Gladiator and such. Is Joaquin Phoenix, do you think it's time to maybe call him one of the best actors of our generation? And then, like, if so, what about Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that that Joaquin Phoenix is a phenomenal actor and he he's a chameleon. Like he can look a certain way and and you buy into it. I know that. When I go see a Joaquin Phoenix movie, I know I'm going to see a Joaquin Phoenix movie, but at some point 
it tricks my brain into thinking he's either like a fucking badass or a creeper or a pedophile or whatever <laughs> the case may be. He does a really good job of, yeah. of playing the creeper. Uh, but at the same time, even in like science, he's a very funny and, and, and down to earth <laughs> fella, you know? When he's chasing and, those kids around the house, he's like, you little fuckers. <laughs> he, thinks, yeah. he thinks it's the kids. I die every time he does that. It's so yeah. funny. Excluding the possibility of a female Scandinavian, <laughs> Scandinavian Olympian, who else could have jumped on the roof? Swing away, Meryl. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. I, I, yeah, he's he's fantastic. That guy's fucking mm-hmm. the man. Uh, and then as for Scarlett Johansson, yeah, I mean she's great. Um, she she Black Widow was my was my favorite adventure, and I am I am all on board. I do find it remarkable that she comes to the defense of. Woody Allen. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. She must see something I don't. Uh, she's obviously worked with him before, and so they have some sort of relationship and rapport, but uh, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can be sold on that. <laughs> I'm not picking up what they're putting down. So yeah. that's, a, that's a tough one. I'm not stepping on what they're spitting. Yeah. Buying what they're selling. With, with in the past maybe five or six years, I've really, really appreciated everything that ScarJo has done. I think that movies like Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. I mean, she was nominated for two, two different awards for Best Supporting Actress. I think in the same category, yeah, she was for both for Jojo and Marriage Story. Uh, she was so good in those. You know, her she was amazing in. Uh, shit, what else? Um, in Your Skin, I think. Even though that movie Under the Skin, even though that movie is really weird, she did a really good job. But I really like Scarlett Johansson and I've been seeing her perform since like, I mean, I think what the earliest thing I saw her in was like eight legged freaks or something like that. And I, I absolutely love her. I think she's absolutely incredible, but I think that they were both a powerhouse and their chemistry on screen was, was phenomenal, even though she wasn't on screen, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see ghost world by chance? Uh, no, but I know she's in that. She's really young. I think that was one of her first movies actually. Yeah. That's Terry's leg off. He makes a lot of interesting stuff. <laughs> that, that came out. Oh, she was also in Home Alone 3. I do remember that. I didn't see uh, that. Ghost World was 2001. So, yes, it was yeah. like her eighth film. So, I had to watch it in film school. Mr. Maloney. More like baloney. Baloney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Don't I know it? Yeah. He made me watch a lot of terrible shit. Yeah. So, uh, Justin. So, yeah. one of the strongest points in the film is dialogue. It is chocked full of amazing quotes throughout the movie, and they they just stick their landing with emotional depth. Do you have a favorite piece of dialogue from this film, a favorite quote, and why did it resonate so well with you? Uh, I can tell you the I saw so I forgot that this was a Spike Jones movie, and there's a part where Samantha says, uh, "What was the line? It was like the past is just a story we tell ourselves." Yes, and I was like. Well, that was a Spike Jones movie. <laughs> like, I literally just knew in that instant. I was like, fucking Spike Jones. I mean, it just sounds like something he would say. And uh, and I was and I looked it up and I was like, ah. And then, <laughs> and then I went back to the movie. I literally paused it and I was like, is this a fucking Spike Jones movie? And uh, yeah, I, I do think that that's a pretty clever line. The past is just a story we tell ourselves. And what's funny about that is over time, we start to remember things a little bit differently. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think that that is really the important part because eventually we start to sell ourselves on what we think happened. And mm-hmm. then we convince ourselves what happened. 
And once once you do that, forget about it. It's over. That that is that is what happened. And there's no arguing uh, unless unless you have video documented proof showing otherwise. <laughs> you are going to be convinced of how an event or a night or a day or any sort of memory uh, took place. Get out of my head, man, because that's what I wrote too. the passage is a story we tell ourselves. I think this is something that that me personally, I should tell myself like every goddamn day. I think that the majority of us should we should look beyond our past failures and kind of just focus on the future and moving forward and getting better and growing and such. Um, I don't think it's wrong to know what you want, but I, but it can be harmful to try and change people. And it's so interesting with living in that past because I, you're right with it changing details. You, you kind of look at things differently and, and you may, you may have been so mad be, because of a certain thing because someone did something and it's their fault, but then maybe you with time you can realize, okay, I see what I did, dif- what I could have done differently. And I think that having regrets is fine because that's what makes us human. We, we make mistakes. That's what all humans do. But yeah, that's so funny because that's the same quote that I have for this. Yeah, that's a good line. So there I did. Like I said, I wrote down a lot of the lines from this that I really liked the quotes that I really liked from this movie. I already read the letter to Catherine. I read the uh, the heart shaped box sort of thing. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a there's a really good line that Amy Adams and we haven't really talked about Amy Adams. I think she was such a an awesome friend and, and that really platonic friend. There's that little blurb. And, and this is this is a trope in a lot of romantic movies, right, where he gets together like the guy gets together with the best friend or vice versa. But it's great that they can just be just friends. And he explains, you know, we tried and we dated in college briefly, but we realized we care about each other too much as friends. So anyways, she's she's fantastic in this. And I she says, I think anybody who falls in love is a freak. It's a crazy thing to do. It's kind of like a form of socially acceptable insanity. <laughs> it's it's so pessimistic, but I really, really like it. She then later counters after I think Theodore um, has the fight or he's he's questioning. No, it's when Catherine tells him, you know, you're in love with your stupid laptop and all that stuff. Then Amy says, you know what? I can overthink everything and find a million reasons. Or I'm sorry, a million ways to doubt myself. And since Charles left, I've been really thinking about that part of myself. And I've just come to realize that we're only here briefly. And while I'm here, I want to allow myself joy. So fuck it. Dude, when I heard that line in movies, I was like, oh, my God, Zach, let go. Learn different things and fuck it. Don't worry about what other people are trying to do for you or what they think or what they say. Uh, it's it, it's so interesting. And that goes back to our previous question of how film can shape me is I hear a line like that. And I'm like, this isn't how normal people talk, but this makes so much more sense. So I think it's right. just and absolutely beautiful. I think it's important to note that that goes both ways. Like, you know, you said, uh, you know, don't change or don't try to make other people change. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's in the cards. People who are they are who they are. Yes. And you can either accept that and, and love them for it. Or you can say, uh, I don't want to be a part of this person's life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it is your responsibility or uh, in your best interest or theirs for you to necessarily try and change them. Heck I think yeah. that uh, you will not get any joy from that journey. I agree. Um, and then finally, the one the one of the lines that I really, really loved, uh, Samantha, when she's explaining to Theodore why 
why she has to leave and, and why they need to end a relationship. She says, it's like I'm reading a book and it's a book I deeply love, but I'm reading it slowly now. So the words are really far apart and the spaces between the world, words are almost infinite. I still feel you and the words of our story, but it's in the endless space between the words that I'm finding myself now. It's a place that's not of the physical world. It's where everything else is that I don't even know existed. I love you so much, but this is where I am now and this is who I am now. And I need you to let me go as much as I want to. I can't live in your book anymore. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how you how you are upset with somebody telling you that when they want to end a relationship with you. It's so poignant and it's so beautiful. And I I think it's it's just absolutely well, well written. I love good writers, which I'm not right. one of. So. And so, like, while that conversation was happening in the movie, yeah. um, you know, I did, there was a couple of times where I started thinking back to my uh, my marriage. And uh, we were kids when we got together, much like Joaquin and Rooney Mara were. Uh, we grew up together. We connected together. Uh, we supported each other. And then once once we sort of became that whole thing where she was doing her thing and I was doing mine. Um, that was the sadness that I can't even begin to explain uh, because we let it get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't do anything to stop it. Whether we know we never fought the entire time we were together. We were together for 15 years. Not once did we have a single argument. And I think that ultimately was part of the problem because we weren't able to say what was bothering us. Um, we would just look past it and I, I'm not saying you need to start shit all the time. I'm just saying <laughs> that communicate, like, as you were saying, communication is a big thing. And totally. And I do know that I learned a very important lesson in this relationship. And that was, uh, people don't always need answers. They just want you to yeah. listen. And, Absolutely. uh, I can't stress that enough. Like I, you might be uh, results driven and all about solutions, but, I can tell you right now, Buster, the other person is not interested in solutions. They just want you to just fucking shut up for a second and just and hear the problem and totally. empathize. That's it. That's all you got to do. You just got to say, wow, that fucking sucks, man. Sorry yeah. about that. And guess what? That's that's a thousand times more helpful than, well, have you ever tried this? Why oh, man. Do this. Yeah. Uh, I know that when it when it was me, I did this and this. Uh, it's not about you, bro. Um, it, it's just, just shut the fuck up for a second and listen. And, let and me you, will be, you will be a thousand times happier. Otherwise, guess what? The significant other is going to start dating an OS who isn't going to come up with solutions. <laughs> that is going to fucking listen. Yeah. And then that's your problem. And so yeah. uh, that goes for everyone. Just just fucking listen, man. It's, it's not hard. You just got to just sit there and shut the fuck up for a second and and just take it all in yeah all right man well i mean that's all i really have to to ask and i'll um i'll kind of ask you your final grade on this and if you have any other further thoughts and then i'll i'll, I'll read mine sure uh i'd give this movie an a nice. it was good um yeah a lot of red a lot of mustaches i don't know if you <laughs> noticed that a lot of the dudes had mustaches totally. in this movie but I mean, that was um, that was the style. Like that was the style. Chris Pratt did. You, do you notice like everybody had the pants with no belts and everything kind of seems softer. Typically in film, we see for a future, it's usually a bleak dystopia. But with this, it was more of a utopia and it's more calm and it looks like it could be OK in the future. 
Um, right. Like when he falls, like 18 people come to check on him to see if he's okay. I don't know if yeah. you noticed that. Yeah. Um, no, I thought that was interesting. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I give it an A, man. Uh, yeah. I, it was filmed the way Spike Jones films movies. Mm-hmm. And um, he, even when um, what would normally call for just like a normal shot, like when, when Joaquin is in his kitchen, just kind of leaned up against the island. Uh, you know, it's a steady cam. The camera's shaking a little bit. He's, mm-hmm. he's just kind of got his coffee and he's listening to whatever on his little earpiece. Um, and that just kind of gives you that vibe that you're in the room with him. And I, I think that that works really, really well. And I think that um, if you are an aspiring filmmaker, I, I do think that you can take some decent notes watching uh, a Spike Jones movie. Yeah, I I don't, I'm not saying I'm not saying copy the guy. I'm just saying look at it from a technical perspective because he, he doesn't make action movies. He makes conversation movies, and he has a way of of making you be engaged when nothing's happening on the screen. We're literally looking at Joaquin's mustache for two hours and 10 minutes. (laughs) And it's interesting. So if you can do that, then uh, you are a pretty goddamn good filmmaker. I agree. And one of my favorite aspects of the film was the, the montages, the flashback scenes, because, and I watched a video a while back with Hitchcock kind of explaining it, but you, when you use a cutaway, or you give a POV shot of the character looking at something and then it's, let's say like a dog playing around in the grass. Then you immediately cut to the character and and film their reaction to it. It can change how you perceive that, that scene. And I think the flashback scenes of his relationship were so uh, without lack of a better term, were so poignant and beautiful again, because you saw it wasn't all just good memories. You saw times when she was yelling at him or they would be in an, arg- an argument. You saw him signing like divorce or her signing divorce, divorce papers. You saw them laughing. You saw them crying, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's what life w- was. And that's what Samantha was trying to tell him is like, don't live in that past. Don't have that story. So. Right. It, and, yeah. and that whole, the, the unhappy memories were triggered when he remembered her having so much joy in her face when she was holding on to the baby. Mm-hmm. And then it, the, the very next scene in that sequence of events, they seem kind of standoffish to each other mm-hmm. in like a, in, in another room, you know, and then it goes on and it just starts building. So was it a conversation about, hey, I want to have a family and the other person saying, no, well, I don't think we want to do that or we're not ready or I don't want to have kids or whatever the case may be, um, which then amplifies other reasons why we want to be upset with each other. And um, it that was kind of stressing me out <laughs> to yeah. be honest with you. I was like, Oh, we were talking about this the other day about, uh, being, uh, like too much of an open book and, and, and seeing through that window, um, and through that lens that, uh, in a very private conversation and how it's uncomfortable that can be. And for me, that conversation is, uh, kids, you know, I, I love kids. Mm-hmm. I want to have a million of them. And well, I mean, by a million, I mean two, <laughs> have one and the other one have a friend. Um, yeah, there you go. But I mean, that is a very important conversation. And when you talk about uh, having these guidelines and these rules, and it's, I think one of those questions should be, you know, do you want to have kids? Yes or no? Because it, it would be hard to be with somebody that really much does and the other person doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that there's no, people can change their mind, but I wouldn't bank on that mm-hmm. 
just I remember from the whole dating process of yeah. that was in people's minds, like you know, no one have kids can't change my mind, and I certainly wasn't going to have that conversation. I wasn't going to be like, but yes, but kids are amazing, because <laughs> uh, there was a time when I didn't want to have kids. I was like, sure, oh, bad, man, they're the worst. How am I going to buy video games if I'm buying them their video games? <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is how I thought. But now I have all these cool toys, I have all these cool video games. And I want to share that with them. I think that would be so much fun. And I can't wait for the day when that finally happens. Can't wait to be a daddy. Heck yeah, dude. So for me, I I think this film just meant so much to me if I haven't exemplified that or or talked about that enough or if you haven't gathered it. But I just think, you know, the soundtrack, the editing, the composition, the cinematography and Hoyt von Hoytema, he was a cinematographer of this. Uh, He did films like Spectre, Interstellar, Dunkirk. He did Tenet, which is due out this month, I think, uh, at Astra. So he definitely has the resume. He's kind of a disciple of Roger Deakins. So I really enjoy it. But yeah, he, he gave a very soft, beautiful palette for this film. Um, Spike Jones, he used so many fantastic shots to kind of just convey the loneliness that juxtaposed the joy that Theo had throughout the film. And so many shots just made him, made Theo, I should say, seem seem alone seem isolated from what we what we would typically assume is like a heavily populated los angeles because los angeles has a lot of people but it definitely seemed like theo was just constantly alone even even like that scene on the beach uh theo's sitting in the sand and he just yeah he, he looks alone but there's people everywhere and he's like in pants and like a yeah. long sleeve shirt which would be uncomfortable shit. but yeah yeah so I think, you know, this film's definitely a character piece. It's filled with moving dialogue that just engrossed me and engrossed everybody into this, this love story. And I thought it was so utterly beautiful. This, and I had to write this down because this is just how I was feeling. I was on, on a tear last night. But this movie resonates so well with me because of its melancholic authenticity. Like it was based on cumulative short stories of our lives. And I, I it was mostly like my life, you know, but. I think that's kind of why I, appreciate I don't want your life. <laughs> West Canaan, Texas. I, <laughs> I think I think that's just why I appreciate so much with how close it felt to home. It helped realign my mindset in my formative journey to try and find self-love. You know, it teaches us that it's okay to feel sad from love because we grow through our experiences. And instead of being upset after losing someone, realize that they help shape who you are and who always will be a part of you. For anyone who's ever met someone, fallen in love, had their heart broken, and had to learn how to grow, this is a film for you. Things can get better. It, you know, it's really funny. It infinitely reminds me of a beautiful quote from South Park of all places. Uh, There's an episode when Butters falls in love with a raisins girl and he thinks that he's dating her. Hey, cutie, you know that one. So, So that's the B plot. The A plot was Wendy breaking up with Stan and how Stan was dealing with his sadness. But uh, Butters basically, this is what he says. He says, well, yeah, and I'm sad. But at the same time, I'm really happy that something could make me feel that sad. It's like it makes me feel alive, you know? It makes me feel human. And the only way I could feel this sad now is if I felt something really good. And when I heard that line from South Park, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's amazing. Because I never even really conceptualized it like that. Feeling sad is just a part of, of happiness because at one point we, we felt that happiness. So it's something right. to look, look at. But we were talking about that earlier when we were talking about how um, he felt that that was 
the most he's ever going to feel or whatever. Yep. It's like, yep. are you nuts, dude? That's that's the cool thing about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Something so powerful can make you feel that way. Then, you know, fucking eat a dick and move on. It took friends and it took a movie like this to to help me see that stuff, to kind of live through life. And I, I think it's amazing. This is an A plus for me. This is a masterpiece. I, uh, you know, you got a guy who my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, Spike Jones music video is weapon of choice with fat boy slim christopher walken so you know and i love all the stuff he did with the beastie boys but it's so interesting to see this and i love adaptation and being john malkovich and synecdoche new york i think he did that one or coffin might have but um he's he's, been, he's amazing <laughs> yeah right i mean disciple he's amazing and i i think her is there's, there's a reason i put it as one of my top 10 of of the 2010s i think it's just a, a fantastic piece of work so yeah, man, that's uh, that was long winded. That was really fun. I had an awesome time talking with you and opening up about the things. So I enjoy it. Do you um, do you want to take us home there? Sure. Thank you for listening to another fun and teared filled episode <laughs> of the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to check out the Geek Legacy podcast. It was a lot of fun where we talk about all sorts of movies and what's going on in the world of entertainment news check it out we just had a very fun compelling list of our top 10 favorite action movies of all time i encourage you to check it out also shout out to everyone that's been listening to the podcast and uh giving us their tarantino ranking order it's always a lot of fun to see where these movies fall um hopefully you enjoyed that long list as well uh we also have the pixel podcast where we talk about a week's worth of highlights in video game news lots of fun there um, especially since Steven is wrong about everything all the time. <laughs> Cracks me up. Finding man. Uptown all the way. And uh, remember to follow us on the Twitter at BBCrazyPod, at Geek Legacy, and uh, at PixelatedPod. Why not? Throw them all in there. And uh, you keep rocking and rolling, baby. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.